Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. Would every married man stand? The devil is after you. Would every man standing, would you graciously look at me for just a moment? The devil is after you. Satan is after you. And he'll get you if you don't watch out. He'll get you if you don't watch out. Warning, warning, warning. He will get you, talking from the pulpit to the door. He will get you. He'll get you. If you don't watch out. You may be seated. Would every married woman, would you please stand? Wow. Would every married woman please stand? Even our E-Church, you married, stand up. Satan is after you. The devil is after you. We're not talking about your husband now. We're talking about you. The devil is after you. This whole world system is after you. To get your attention. To get your focus. Off of the things that really matter. Are you listening to me? We we value things that we pay for, particularly if they cost a lot of money. But the most valuable things that you'll ever encounter in your life are free. The most prized possession that you'll ever have are free. But in this culture that we are in in America, we don't put a lot of value and we don't place a lot of attention on things that are free. But everything you have that is of real significance in your life came to you free. And everything else can be replaced. You can lose your house and get another one. You can lose all of your money and get it again. 
<laughs> you can lose all of your possessions and over a period of time you can gain it all back and more. But if you lose your soul, if you lose your love for God, if you turn your back on heaven and find yourself in hell because of something you valued in this life because it cost you a lot of money. But the things that cost you money are temporal. The things that you receive free are eternal. Your salvation was free. Jesus paid the price for our salvation and he gave it to us freely. And we have to be careful because the culture that we're in, we don't value things that are free. But the things that are free are eternal. You can't pay for deliverance. Deliverance comes free. Jesus. From the deliverer. What does it profit us, ladies and gentlemen, if we gain all of the material things that our lustful hearts desire. What does it profit if you're a multimillionaire and will spend eternity in hell? We spend our lives pursuing things that don't really matter. At the expense of what does. And the thing about life, when life starts to get better, mother, if we're not careful, leanness of soul sets in. And all of a sudden we've got all these idols. Anything is an idol that you're trusting more than God. Education can become an idol if you think your victory is through education. You can make your husband or your wife an idol and your children as well. You can make a job an idol. You can make your intellect an idol. It's all about what you think because you think you're that heavy. One of the wisest men that ever walked the earth who wrote most of the New Testament. He said, I, can't, I mean, he's from the school of Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee to Pharisee. He was a brilliant man. And he went out ministering. Read your Bible. He went out ministering with his intellectual properties, thinking that he was smart. And he went out to minister and fell flat on his face. And then he came back and fell on his face. And then he came before the people. He said, I count myself to have not apprehended anything. 
I don't know nothing. I count what I have learned as dung, poo-poo, that I might gain the excellency of the Lord Jesus Christ. He realized that the power of God and his ability to be effective was not predicated on his intellectual properties, but it was his yieldedness and his willingness to yield to the spirit of almighty God. And so we're living in a day and a time in the church where the stars are falling. They're falling because Jesus is tired of the mess that we've been purporting because all the glory and all the honor, it belonged to him alone. So God is using preachers that are perplexing other preachers. He's using preachers today who are not eloquent of speech, who, who mess up their vows and, and tear up the verbs and the adverbs, but he does a powerful thing through them. He's using men and women today who have some of the largest churches who've never been to Bible college, never been to seminary, but they, amen, fall on their faces and they talk to God. I'm not talking about men who stand in the pulpit and regurgitate a book that they read from another man, amen, that's not the Bible, but a man who's spent time with God, who stand before the people. As I said, he mess up the vows, he knock off the, the adverbs, but the power power of God is there because without the power of God, it can only be at best a good, a good lecture. So God takes a man like Joel who stands behind the pulpit and call everybody friend and make other folks upset, nervous and jealous and envious. But he's standing behind the pulpit because he knows if God doesn't go with him, and that's all God wants. Ooh-wee. Come on, tell two people, say, God wants to go with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he wants to go with you. He wants to be invited. Wherever you go, God wants to be invited. When you're going to work, he wants to be invited. To you ladies, you wives who are standing, the devil is not only after you, But he's after every child that you have birthed into this world. And he is not playing today at all. You may be seated. Somebody keep me on the timer. Uh, You know, they, they try to, you know, keep me in compliance. You know, telling me what I can't say. Telling me what I can't do. And uh, no problem. You know, talk about if you say certain things, they'll knock you off, you know, the Internet and all that. Knock me off. But I'm going to try to do right. (laughs) Today, I want to talk briefly before my wife will come and we try to uh, do some ministry together. Man, I want to preach so bad, but I, uh, uh, yeah, but, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in the, in the, in the boundaries and the perimeters that they've given me. Uh, I want to talk about the family because the family is under attack. Just before they put up my nuggets, if, if, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. What is getting ready to happen in this country? None of us have a clue 
as to what is getting ready to happen. Because we are doing things and practicing things that no other generation in the history of mankind has ever engaged in. That's scary. We are experimenting. This country, this culture, our political arena, they are experimenting with something holy and sacred, the family. And they're endeavoring to redefine what family is. Are you all listening to me? Um, I don't want to use the word lunatic, but on an ongoing basis now, we are experiencing children doing unexplainable things. Kids walking into classrooms, killing other kids, mowing them down like life doesn't matter. I'm not lost for words. I'm just trying to abide by what they told me because I don't want them to kick me off this soon. But, 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 but hear me now as we deal with family because there, there's a, there is a reason why it's taking all of the strength you can muster to try to hold your marriage and your family together. And every other day, you're entertaining the thought of leaving. And some people would have left if they saw a better exit. I'm here to tell you that those propositions, those presentations are not an accident. Satan is after you as a husband, as a wife, as a man, as a woman, as a family. Satan is working overtime to tear down brick by brick the definition, the biblical the godly definition of family. And because people, men, ungodly men, ungodly women, and today you need to remove yourself from being a Republican or a Democrat. You need to make decisions politically based upon the word of God. Now, I want to say a word, but if I say it, they'll knock me off. But how can a country be debating about life or death when it comes to children? What kind of society is that? And typically, the people who are in the debate call themselves Christians. As a Christian, you have to be for life. Okay. As a Christian, I'm a real Christian. As a believer, you have to be for life. Jesus didn't come to give us death. He came to give us, talk to me, life. Ooh, Jesus. Are you in Ephesians chapter 6? 
Give me nugget number one, number two, and number three. Nugget number one. Ready? E-church, read. Okay, can, I know we got more than three people who can read. Ready? Read. You are up against. Please read that again. Would you read that to the person who's next to you? You, you better hear me today. You are up against something that you can't handle by yourself. You better hear me today. Your marriage is up against something that your marriage cannot handle by itself. Your children are up against something at school that is invisible. And they cannot handle it by themselves. And you're only fooling yourself if you think they can. And you hear me, parents, to pull up to a school that does not acknowledge God and drop your children off and drive off and think one day you're not going to pay. You're only fooling yourself. Because there is an invisible challenge in that institution. That is after the very soul of your child. And you wonder why it's like pulling teeth to try to get your children to say something out of their mouths at the dinner table to thank God for the food. That you don't sense any godliness in your children at all. And you think somehow as a parent by ignoring it that it's going to go away. Not realizing that every day the devil is taking more territory in the soul and the, and the imagination of the mind of your child. Because while you're playing the devil is not. Number two please. Nugget number two please. Ready? Read. That's nugget number three. Put up nugget number two, please. Ready? Read. Isn't there something? Trying to have a family, a family that is not basing and building on the foundation of God's word. How can you be a Christian family and the foundation in your family is not Christ? The only time there's any measure of devotional is when you come to church. Nugget number three. Nugget number three. Satan is trying to destroy 
God's first institution, which is what? You need to understand this. The first institution that God sanctioned was the family. Are you with me? No. He sanctioned the family before he did the institution of the church. The church does not come before your family. Pastor. Preacher to myself now. If you put the church before your family, you'll lose your family. First is God. Next is your family. Everything else follows. Are you all with me? Ephesians 6, with the few minutes that I'm going to take. Ephesians 6. I'm going to read something that I know you don't believe. But I'm going to read it anyway. I know you don't believe it, but I'm going to read it anyway. I know many of you don't believe it, but I'm going to read it anyway. Are you ready? Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse, all of it's good, but look at verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, he said to stand. Listen to it in the Message Bible. Listen to this in the Message Bible. This is no uh, afternoon athletic contest that will be walked away from and forgot about and forgot about in a couple of hours. Let me do better. This is no, this is Ephesians 6, verse 12 through 13, the message. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we will walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. How, mother, mother, how are we going to walk in victory today and save our families if we as parents don't pray? If we as parents don't spend time with God, if we as parents don't remain in a position where we can rebuke the devil off of our children and when we rebuke him, he has to leave our sons and our daughters alone. When you can visibly see that the enemy is agitating your child and you don't have enough spiritual fortitude to tell the devil to back up. And so you hope and half pray that somehow, someway, someday the devil will leave your baby alone.
Nugget number one says, be, be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. And I've shared with you uh, in earlier teachings that in Romans chapter six, it will show you Romans six will show you clearly how to obtain victory concerning your flesh so that you can walk in victory in every area of your life. Is this helping anybody? I said, is this helping anybody? So traditional or blended without a foundation on God's word, the family is in a is in major trouble. We used to sing a song when I was in church. It says, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground. It sounded like you were saying we was the same church. On Christ, the solid rock, my family stands. All other ground is sinking sand. How many of you, your family is standing on the solid foundation? Or are you trying to build a family on sinking sand? Because if your foundation is not the solid rock and Jesus Christ is that solid rock, then whatever you're building it won't last. Can somebody say amen? I said earlier, we read it together that the first institution that God made was the family. Satan is trying to suck the very life out of the ordained, this God ordained institution. Now, here we go. One of the things that Satan is doing, have you noticed the exodus? Say exodus. The exodus of fathers. The exodus of fathers. It's amazing what Satan can do with a family if he can just remove the presence of the father. And Satan is working overtime to remove fathers from the home. And notice my friend the other day got in trouble for saying this. I'm going to say it. Hopefully I won't get in trouble. But he said it and it went viral. I mean, they called him. I called him to encourage me to extend my love to him. But we're in a culture of the feminization, particularly of males. You've never seen so many men trying to look like women. And they're not gay. They're just being feminized. I mean, we're living in a day and a time where you can't tell a man or a woman from the back. Somebody said, even from the front, Pastor. I mean, it used to, come on now. I'm, church, you gotta, you're slowly being seduced by this culture. There was a time when only women were earrings. Not long ago, in my lifetime, Men didn't wear earrings. The feminization of the culture. Now men are wearing pearls and rubies 
and bracelets and ankle bracelets. Are you listening to me? Right before your eyes, the feminization of the male species. Our women are becoming stronger and more dominant. Even in the church, in many cases, the woman runs the home. I knew you wouldn't shout on that one. And I know you can't shout, brother, because you'll be in trouble in the parking lot. But everybody, say everybody, everybody know who the boss in the house, even the dog, and certainly the children. You can get around me and fake it out like, you know, you yielding to him, uh, honey, what we need to do. You didn't ask him when I wasn't around. You know, trying to fake me out. I walk away just chuckling on the inside. Like, everybody know, sister girl, you the boss? Because you the boss. But this is also an attack of the devil. Because a boy needs to see, and the daughter needs to see her daddy in charge. So you shouldn't have married a man you couldn't follow. The reason you got him is because he was weak. Because that old Jezebel spirit won't yield to male leadership. Preach, boy, preach. And this is all satanically designed. We have a spiritual enemy. And we are in a spiritual battle. And to you single ladies, don't marry a man you can't follow. And don't marry a man that's not going anywhere. And make sure the man you marry is not just an expresser. Or your life will be miserable. I understand the feminine movement, but no real woman is going to fight a man who's really occupying his position. A woman don't have a problem following a man who's providing, who's praying, who's seeking God, who loves God. A woman's not going to fight you for opening the door and putting gas in her car and paying all all, all the bills. <laughs> I almost don't want to say anything. I got all the women on my side right now. Feels real good. Keep shouting ladies. Keep shouting later, sisters. Come on now. 
Woman's not going to fight you for opening the door and let her go in first. The only female who will fight you over those things is a female who is dealing with a familiar spirit. And so when we talk about family, let me let me close here. When we talk about family, it's complicated today in 2022. Say complicated. Family's complicated. Why? Because the lines are no longer clearly drawn. Your daddy, your daddy's daddy, your father, your father's father, your grandfather, your great grandfather, his, his role was clearly defined. Your grandmamas, your great grandmothers, her role was clearly defined in the home. And the church have yielded to the spirit of this world where the church, we lust after things so much that we're willing to sacrifice the lives of our children. We want a bigger house when a smaller hut will do because it would afford the mother to stay at home and spend time with her children. Who cares about a big house? Who cares about the latest designer clothes or the line of purses? At the sacrifice of the children? There's nothing wrong with having two bedrooms and all the boys in one room and all the girls in another. If that will afford somebody to stay at home and raise the children. Mm -hmm. the reason we're in the mess we're in today is because our children are not being raised married or single parents we're farming out our kids to daycares and they're calling the daycare worker mama because they see her more than they see you It's the daycare worker who see your child take their first step. So years ago, Dad, you can relate to this, your roles were clearly defined. The man went to work, brought the groceries home, and the mother made a meal. The mother tended to children, implementing the values that had been passed down to her from her husband. And when those values are violated, she will tell you, I'm going to tell your daddy. And the children would line up because they had a daddy who did not throw out threats. If he said, he was going to spank you. You got a spanking. He didn't use threats to try to control you. So today we have this challenge in the family because the roles are, are 
are interwoven. How can you demand a meal when you come home and your wife works too? Come on, ladies, y'all scared to shout on that one? The, the roads have been complicated. You got men demanding, demanding that their wives work. So she works because really they have to. If you're going to, if you're going to yield to the pressure of the culture. Because we're battling with delayed gratification. So you want the big house, the two fancy cars, and you want them now. And you got all of that, but you don't know your children. You don't even know you're raising a monster. That's one day going to grow up and mow people down. Because you're willing to sacrifice your children for a bigger house, a bigger car, latest styles, to try to impress people who are not even looking. And so you drop your children off at a daycare and you pick them up late. Because you don't want to be around them. Not that you don't love them, but you're tired. So you take them home and you put a gadget in front of them and then you give them a TV dinner or you stop at one of these fast food restaurants and they're blowing up like a hog. Can't concentrate at school because their, their diet has no real nourishment in it. So at 11, 12 or 13 years old, they got diabetes. At school, they're labeled ADD, EFG, HIJK, LMNOP. So they drug your son or daughter up, not realizing that a little child is going to grow up to be a grown person, still hooked on drugs. And when they become grown, they don't take the drugs, but they act all out of character because they're having withdrawals. And so teachers at school spend more time with your children than you do. It's quiet because it's the truth. And so now the culture is trying to redefine what family is. So now they're saying it's okay for two women or two men. That's what I said earlier about we're experimenting and we don't know that we have in reality opened Pandora's box because we don't know yet. But there's a generation of kids who are going to be coming up with this same sex
Are you telling me to? Uh, uh, uh. Okay. Uh, uh. Keep me on. But they're experimenting. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27, and 28, God makes it emphatically clear what the nucleus of the family consists of. God, a man, a woman, and fruitful. Being fruitful is not money. It's not houses. It's not land. It's children. The Bible talks about your inheritance being children. Well, if, if your inheritance is, being, is children, then what would Satan be after? The killing of your children. And if they escape the womb by not being aborted, then everything in the culture is to kill them on the streets. So you raise a child that do not understand or know how to behave. Don't know how to follow orders. I know they don't know how to follow orders because they don't mind you. When my daddy said be quiet, he meant be quiet. When a grown person in my neighborhood told me to do something, I had to do it. Because if they told my daddy that they told me to do something and I disrespected them as an adult, my behind would be warmed up. So everybody in the neighborhood was my daddy's eyes. My daddy would know before I got home where I was and what I did and we didn't have electricity. So you know we didn't have a phone. But you will jump on somebody. If they try to correct your child. You will cuss a teacher out. If she tells you your child is acting unruly in the classroom. Your child is an angel to only you. The Bible says, and I know some of you don't believe in the Bible, but the Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Now, yes, you have to use different methods of dealing with different children based upon their temperament. Some children, you can just kind of verbally deal with them and they'll comply. I wasn't that kind of child. And y'all look at me funny. Half of y'all wasn't either. I'm just simply saying, if you have more than two or three children, one way of dealing with one child, you can't necessarily deal the same way with another child. And I made enormous mistakes in raising my children on that account. Because being raised by my father as an only child, I applied the same principles to all of my children, and it wasn't necessarily the right thing to do. Because some of my sons, you can literally tell them certain things. And I mean, one I'm thinking of particularly, I mean, it just broke his heart if he thought he'd done something that displeased me. 
Then I had another son out of the five. Whatever I would tell him to do, he would always count the cost. That's just, that was just his personality being. And he would, he would come to the conclusion, am I willing to pay with my behind for this thing I want to do that daddy said no? If he came to the conclusion that he was willing to pay the price, he would go on and do it and I'd have to discipline him. And try to carouse that strong personality and direct it in such a way without breaking his spirit. Because if I break his spirit as a male child, if I break him, he won't be any good for you or your daughter. So you need the wisdom of God. Is this, this helping anybody? I, I've gone much too long, sweetheart. Uh, uh, what y'all want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you these four points and I'm done. I, I want to I salute uh, past, Wednesday, past Wednesday service. It was one of the most powerful service in the history of Harvest Church. That, that, that lesson, that thing needs to be rerun and rerun. Uh, last Wednesday and the Wednesday before that, those are perhaps the two most powerful uh, uh, midweek services, particularly for the family in the history of, of this. Would you put your hands together for all those? It was just, it blessed me. It blessed me. I want to give you four keys without any amplification uh, uh, the things that you, that you need to build a rewarding relationship. Number one is purposeful, purposeful communication. Purposeful communication. Number two, right understanding. Number three, giving up judgment. Giving up judgment. And then number four, accepting responsibilities. Number one was purposeful communication. That means communicating, communicating with the intent to, uh, to understand and to be understood. So it's not enough for me to say, well, I told you. But, but, what, but the way you told me, I didn't understand. And matter of fact, your goal wasn't even for me to understand. Your goal was just for you to tell me whatever you wanted to tell me. So the motive wasn't even right. And that happens many times in a family, certainly in a marriage. You, you're saying something, but you're not really communicating. So you, if you're really wanting me to understand, then say it in a way where I can, where I can receive it. Number two, right understanding, appreciating and respecting our differences. And if you were not taught how to appreciate and respect other people's differences when you were children, you're going to have major problems if you get married. Because if you weren't raised to do that in your home that you were raised in, you're not going to you're not going to be able to function correctly in this pressurized institution called marriage. Because whatever you are, marriage will reveal it. You might think you're Hercules till you get married. You might think you're long suffering and full of patience. And kind to everybody until you get married. That you're full of peace and got the joy of the Lord till you get married. 
Because marriage will make you something you will never amen, evolve to by yourself. Because you cannot build character alone. Is this good? Giving up judgment. Releasing negative judgments. You have to release negative judgments first of yourselves. And then release negative judgments of other people. It's hard to hear me. It's hard to treat people right when you don't like yourself. Did you hear me? It's hard. It's, it's difficult to be married to somebody who's trying to give you love. And it's hard for you to receive it because you think so low of yourself. I know you got this big old image. But the only reason you got this big old stoic image is because you really are insecure in yourself. Because it's hard to smile when you're insecure. I hit something, Jesus, didn't I? So releasing negative judgments of ourselves and of others. Don't be so quick to judge. Don't be so quick to judge others. And don't be so hard on yourself. I know you know all the wrong you've done. You know it better than anybody other than Jesus. But Jesus knows all of what you've done and going to do. And he still loves you. Why are you struggling loving yourself? As many mistakes as you make, and I make, I still love Stevie. Stevie's a good guy. With all of my problems, with all of my shortcomings, that I thank God he doesn't show you. But with all of that, he still loves me. With all the rejection and all the wrong that was done to you as a child, you survived it. Give yourself credit for surviving it because some people didn't survive. For the mere fact you have survived a divorce. For the mere fact you have survived rejection. For the mere fact you have survived being an orphan. For the mere fact you have, amen, survived being the black sheep of the family is a sign that you got something special on the inside of you. Ain't nobody happy on that Jesus but me. And then lastly, accepting responsibility. So many marriages are in marital trouble because one of the parties or both of the parties, they just won't take responsibility. It's all, everything is the other person's fault. I'm messed up because I married somebody messed up. Well, that's their testimony too. <laughs> Taking equal responsibility for what you get from the relationship and practicing and practicing forgiveness. No family, no marriage can last if forgiveness is not a part of the equation. I mean, you give it a little time, 
maybe before the day's over, my wife is going to have to forgive me for something. And our marriage is going to be in trouble if she won't forgive me. And don't look at me so funny. Before the week's out, your spouse is probably going to have to forgive you for something, if you be honest. If they don't forgive you, it's going to be trouble in the city. The marriage is going to hit. They're going to hit a, they're going to hit a bump in the road. And you won't be able to go forward because unforgiveness will stop you in your tracks. Because when you don't forgive, you are allowing your past to hold your future in bondage. And if you hold that unforgiveness long enough, you'll start looking for another partner. Because the grass always looks green. You know why they're nice to you on the job? Because they don't know you. That old Jezebel trying to seduce you, brother, she don't know you. She don't even want to marry you. She want to have some fun. But that fun's going to tear your house up. Because Satan is after you. And if he can't get you through a woman, he'll get you through money. And you'll look around, you're sacrificing your time and devotion with God in your efforts to make more money. Daddy, I salute you for wanting to make more money, but not at the expense of spending time in the formative years with your children. Ha, if you had a smaller house, maybe you wouldn't have to work so much. To save the children. Maybe your wife wouldn't have to work all those long hours. If we had to sacrifice and just try to make things work with one car. Maybe the clothes we bought this year will have to last the whole year so that we can spend more time with the family. It's amazing. Years ago, you go back and all of our families, they didn't have much, but they ate at the table and they prayed at the table. Sometimes one car, no car. Sometimes daddy walked to work. It's amazing because when we look at it, they had so much materially less than what we have today, but they seemed more together. And the brothers and sisters seemed like they liked each other better then because they had to share stuff. I mean, you knew what your new clothes were going to be. It's going to be the clothes of your older brother or your older sister. But it taught you to share. 
You, you didn't hear in that home, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine, mine. No, it's everybody's. So having a lot and mishandling it can cause major problems. Is this helping anybody at all? I said, is this helping anybody? I, I close with this statement, sweetheart. Let's, let's get ready. Uh, I, I read this and, I, and I, I felt you needed to hear this. Uh, it says, listen to this, parents. What happens in the first two years of a baby's life is so critically important. How many years? The first two years. They've they done, they done a study and found out that the first two years of a baby's life is so critically important. A complex set of events must occur in infancy to assure, to assure a future of trust and love. If the proper bonding and subsequent attachment does not occur, usually between the child and the mother, the child will de develop mistrust and a deep-seated of rage. And I added on a child without a conscience. I close because now this has helped me to see as a grown man, as I look back over my life, how many areas of my life that I had major struggles. Because as much as I said, I didn't need a mother. A lot of my issues was because I didn't have a mother. And it affected my relationships with females. And it affected my attitude and how I dealt with other males of being angry and hostile. Because inside, there was something that was void that was supposed to be deposited in me that I was too young to know that I needed it. And to try to overcompensate for it, I would say out of my mouth that I didn't need it. Not realizing every time I said it, I was reinforcing the need. So God knew what he was doing when he placed in the first family, a mother, a father, then the children. And whenever God places something in a place to remove it will be consequences. So I live pretty much my whole life inadequately prepared and in how to deal with the opposite sex. And in some cases, trying to receive something from a female that I should have received from my mama. So.
So I thought I was handling the ladies. Not realizing my issue, I had a mama issue. That I wasn't looking for the ladies, I was looking for my mama. And it can also be said of the absence of a father. A little girl grows up, she's not looking for a husband. She's looking for a father that wasn't there. And so when she gets married, it's automatically complications because she's looking for something from her husband that only her father can give her. So the husband, he's wanting a wife and she's looking for daddy. And because she's looking for daddy, it opens her life up to be played on by the opposite sex. Pimps and players. Pimps in the street, players in the church. And so all of the attributes that God has given her that should attract her husband attracts all of these foreign objects. And you call her a loose woman, a fast woman. She's not necessarily loose or fast. She's hurting, looking for an absent daddy. And any male who sounds like he might be a good father figure, she yields all of herself. And so we don't know what's coming down the road. Because now our society is saying that a family unit is two females. And we see the damage of the absence of a male or a father. So what damage are we going to incur by two females and one trying to act like a male? Or two males and one trying to act like a female? What are going to be the mindset of those children? Because they're coming. They're indoctrinating your children in elementary school right now. I said right now, your first grader, your second grader, your third grader has got a teacher and her husband is a female. His wife is another male. Their picture is on the desk. Let me leave that alone. Okay. Keep me on. So have we unknowingly opened Pandora's box? As the Bible says, have we sown to the wind? And one day, we're going to reap the whirlwind by dropping our kids off because we don't want to mess with them. We have them, but we don't want to raise them. We have them, 
but we don't want to raise them. Somebody actually said, how do you raise girls from boys? You raise them the same way the Bible said. The Bible made no distinction. You raise them the same. You raise them to love God. You raise them to honor you as their mother and their father. You raise them to be honest. You raise them to be truthful. You raise them to honor the commandments of God, whether they're boy or girl. And then I told a couple the other day, some of you are going to be in trouble because you're raising children. And uh, I didn't raise children. Because if you raise children, at the end, what you will get is children. And children stay home. 20 and 30, 40 years old, they'll still be at home because you raise them to be children. Children remain dependent. So I didn't raise my children to be children. They were children. They were babies. They were babies and they were children. They were teenagers, but I didn't raise them to be teenagers. I didn't raise them to be children. And I didn't raise my sons to be babies. I raised them from the time they were born, I raised them to be men. Because men leave home. Because men want to run their own house. They can't run mine. I raised them to be men because men are not comfortable being in another man's house. And once all five of them left, they stayed left. They only visit shortly. As a matter of fact, I'm at an age in time now, I'm more excited about seeing my grandkids. I want to help my children raise my grandchildren. Why they clapping? If they let me. Because I won't fight my children over my grandchildren if their values are different than mine. All I know, the values that my wife and I implement with our children, they turned out pretty good. Amen. Did you all get anything today? Did you get anything at all? I know we dealt with family. Did you get anything? Some of you look like you got mad at me, but I can, I can take your faces. Parents, get back to the old way of doing things. Don't throw out the baby with the dirty water. Hear me today, parents. If you don't raise your children outside these four walls, that culture that's out there that is anti-Christ, they'll raise your son and your daughters. And your children will grow up and become grown one day, and they don't know you, and you don't know them.
Because you only get to know somebody that you spend time with. And spending time with your children is not you around your children and you on your phone and they're on theirs. Man. That would disturb me. That my son or daughter would call a nursery worker mama or daddy. And the child is only expressing what they see. You may not be my mother, but you're all I see. I see you more in the morning than I see my mother or my daddy. And when I cry, you pick me up. And when I'm wet, you change me. And that other lady who come and get me at five or six o'clock, all they do is pick me up and take me home and give me a little food and put me to bed. Or let me watch television or food with some electronic gadget until I get sleepy. And pick me up in the morning and drop me off with you, mama. You taught me how to read. You taught me how to write my name. All my mother did was pick me up in the evening and would take me home and would give me a little food and give me some electronic gadget. And as a matter of fact, it, it appeared to me that she was, she was if, if, if I wanted to make my mother happy or my father happy, uh, the thing I learned to do is to stay out of their way. Stay in my room. And today we call that raising children. Then the child grows up and does something, and then you tell the authorities, I, I don't understand. That, that ain't, that's not my child. I don't understand how they acting. The reason you don't understand, you wasn't watching. <laughs> I heard this as a child. I know it now. The old folks used to say, oh, you're going to pay. I didn't, I didn't know what that meant then. What they were saying is, you don't get away. Parents, you don't, you don't get away. You're not exempt. You're going to pay. You're going to pay now by investing time. Or you're going to pay later. Because every parent has to pay. The question is, when are you going to pay? And what are you going to use to make the payment with? Your children does not need another gadget. What your children need and desire more than anything. And my kids have shared this with me as grown men. The most precious thing they want from me as a father to this day. Talk to me. And, no, and this is what they say. I want time with you, Dad, without my brothers. Not that I don't like well, my brothers. I know there are times when we all be, but I want time just you and I. One of my children said, I just love when we're together and you call. I can hear you physically call me son. 
said it does something for me. So they're still saying, even as grown men, they still desire my time. God bless you if you got anything today. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.